Podcast Network. I think Miss Schlegel puts everything splendidly. But I sometimes think it is wiser to leave action and discussion to men. This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 199 for the week of April 9th, 2018. I am News of London, David T. Cole, and I'm here with Mercenary Thought, Sarah D. Bunting. Bosch. Acceptable German, Tar Ariano. Oh, I'm English to the backbone. And so intellectual, Dory Shafir. Where is my copy of Proust? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to another Extra Hot Great. We have a wonderful new guest joining us, Dory Shafrir. Hello, Dory. Hello. 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 Yay! We will get to Dory's many other ventures in the podcasting world anon. But first, you can tell, because I said anon, it's a period piece. We are talking about Howard's End. Uh, the new stars four-part miniseries adaptation of the E.M. Forster novel. As I was watching it, I realized this is a book I studied a ton in school. Like I read it for many other, for multiple classes in university uh, because I took a music appreciation class and that was like a text in that class. Also, there's way okay, more music Tara, stuff. We get it. You're smart. Yeah. That's all I needed to say. I'm going to step out. Bye, guys. Um, She starts this speech every morning when we get up. Like, I know you. Okay, here's a question for you, Brainiac. How come come Howard's isn't possessive? uh, Yeah, I thought so. There's more than one Howard. It's not the end of Howard's. That's why. Oh, time for another Tara update. Anyway, I have a million thoughts, but first, let's start with Dory. You picked this off a, a list of um, premieres that were coming up. What is your relationship to this to this product, to this to the text, to the feature film? What made you want to talk about this podcast? I love a period piece. I especially love a, a British period piece set in the uh, Edwardian era. I believe that's right. We're, we're in we're yes. in 1910. Yeah, uh-huh. um, <laughs> so that appealed to me. I have actually I don't think I've ever actually seen the film, um, but I am an E.M. Forster stan. So mm-hmm. it appealed to me. It, it, it scratched like a Downton Abbey itch that I forgot I had. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that was that, that was kind of the that was kind of the motivation. And so are you telling you... me that by only watching the first episode of this show, I've missed some sort of Turkish diplomat butt sex murder? <laughs> there is yes. a sex scandal, but not involving a Turkish diplomat. Okay. <laughs> but Dave, you saw the movie, right? Because you're an Emma Thompson star. Uh, I saw the movie when it came out a billion years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Is this right, the same Sarah, guy who wrote your... Remains of the Day or is it just the same Merchant Ivory people? It's this Merchant Ivory did the movie. This is not he. Uh, Different author. Enforcer did not write it. Remains of the Day. Sarah, what was what is your background with with this property? Um, I read it in university only once. Um, I'm only a right. single lane egghead, I guess. Um, you can call that and, reading it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I didn't like it. I've never seen the movie. I did not care for this so much. Um, Ooh, I really okay. thought that I would like it. Um, 
because I don't, um, like I didn't hate the book. I just was sort of like, eh, like compared to everything else we read in that particular course, which was a modern British fiction. Uh, it just kind of, it felt a little like not didactic exactly, but just, there were a lot of, um, dialogue arguments uh, that they weren't even expositional. It was just like, here's the position of the, you know, privileged class and here's the right. position of the, po and you know, not that that's not a conversation worth having in fiction and everywhere in our lives. I just wasn't plugging into it. And I definitely wasn't plugging into this. I'm not sure why I love me some uh, Matthew McFadden, as you know, Mm -hmm. Having endured the uh, entirety of Ripper Street, I and I alone. <laughs> he plays Mr. Mr. Wilcox here. Yes. Even Mr. and Mrs. Ripper were like, nah, we're all set after three series. <laughs> we um, moved off Ripper Street. <laughs> and there are enjoyable things about it. It's well cast for sibling resemblance. Um, I have uh it's great for decor porn uh margaret's coat with all the buttons mm -hmm. um i must have it please get it for me world <laughs> universe i'm putting it out there and i did i didn't realize how much i missed that show witches of east end until oh, the yeah. last week <laughs> when the tatum's marriage broke up and uh jenna dewan was on that show and then here's julia ormond and i thought she was yeah. great but then she spoiler dies after the first episode and it's like oh well that that sort of took the wind out of it um yeah the the guy playing either it's the guy playing uh bast or mm -hmm. just the character of bast who is just like a fucking pill and i don't care and that was a big problem for me and at the end of the second episode i just thought like i don't i don't see matters improving because i do know what happens with him and i don't think he deserves that to happen to him via Helen. And, uh, I don't, yeah, eh, I felt, uh, but I take it Tara that you're steeped in all, all manner of this property. How did you feel it stacked up against movie and book? Well, what's interesting is I did watch all four episodes and, um, which I should say, because I mentioned this last time when we were talking about Barry, uh, we got screeners for them. It is stars is not making it bingeable. You will have to wait each week to watch it, unfortunately for you. Um, I, I really thought it was a great adaptation, but weirdly, I also thought it didn't, it, it didn't feel like the movie by comparison, which I admittedly haven't seen in a long time. It didn't feel like there was stuff in this that was left out of the movie. So weirdly, <laughs> the movie is also a great adaptation and feels just as complete in its in covering the material as this does in four hours. I'm not sure how that's possible. Um, but I also thought it was really well cast. Uh, the two Mrs. Wilcoxes, spoiler, uh, Margaret, the Haley Atwell character, marries Mr. Wilcox eventually. And, and th they're supposed to look alike. There's a moment when a woman who works on the farm comes in and sees Margaret and thinks that she's... Ruth and they do look alike. I thought that casting was excellent yes, for the two of them, ha yeah, Haley Atwell and Julia Ormond. But Matthew McFadden is like 10 years younger than Ruth. Like that would never yeah. happen. That was yeah. distracting actually. To me too. I thought it was really strange. Like he's only my age, which I mean, I'm old, but I'm not that old. Like in the movie, he's Anthony Hopkins and that feels more appropriate. Right. Like an, a, a, a young guy would not marry an older woman, especially back then because of, you know, 
babies and stuff. So she, the, that she looked so much older than him was weirdly distracting to me too. And especially since like, there wasn't that much of an age gap between him and Margaret either. She took me out of it, but you know, uh, in the terms of the social stuff, I did think that was interesting too, but that's like, that's, <laughs> that's my kink <laughs> seeing like the, <laughs> having the, having the, the, the story sort of cover the three, these sort of three tiers of, of where they're at in society and economically where the Wilcoxes are like new money, gross industrialists, their money comes from rubber and there's references <laughs> to how exploitative that is in, in Nigeria where they're, you know, not mining it, whatever, growing it. Um, and then the Schlegels who are just living on their inheritance and therefore, you know, they don't really have to work about, worry about work, but they also don't have to worry about anything really. And so they can afford to have these high ideals about everything because nothing really sticks to them and there are no consequences. And then Mr. Bast is like on the come up as it were. And we find out later that he's like there's, he's sort of the end product of three generations of social mobility where like his grandparents were just agricultural laborers. Then his parents were in trade and now he works in a bank and like, this is huge. And so the fact that he, the way they portray his wanting to fit in with this new tier that he's on that he never would have thought was even imaginable by like going to lectures and seeing the symphony and stuff. Like he is kind of a pill, but that's because he's not educated. Like he's just trying to do this himself. So I, I understand that reaction. I'm not defending him. And, you know, I don't think this performance is the best of the of the lot. But um, all that stuff was was compelling to me. And I was curious, Dory, because watching this, there's a a huge amount of this is revolves around people's homes that sort of, you know, what is safe as houses and, and where are people going to live that, that um, you living in Los Angeles, which is one of the worst housing marks in the nation. <laughs> did you feel any resonances with this period of economic uncertainty and the one that we are currently in? Well, it's, Funny because in episode two, the Schlegels find out that they have to move um, because their their block of flats is getting knocked down, right? Or their house is getting knocked yes. down to build a block to of make flats. flats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they've known this for a while. It's just like, yeah, it's becoming pressing that they actually have to do something. Right. So this is extremely resonant for me right now. <laughs> right now, not that I have to move, but in my neighborhood, like every other house is getting knocked down um, mm -hmm. to build a, usually a gargantuan gaudy, uh, like quote, contemporary home <laughs> um, that is like 5,000 square feet and takes up the entire lot. Um, so I was like, oh yes, real estate, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, the, the sort of, uh, I guess you would the great call it equalizer. Just, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. It's just it's just like been this problem it, it, for for years, for hundreds of years. Um, so you know, it made me feel like, oh, well, I guess this is nothing new. It's still depressing though. Bosh. <laughs> Was that a Bosch sound drop, Dave? Bosh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, speaking of clips, it. I got another clip from the show I want to play. Let's have a listen to that right now. Presenting the most eligible landowner in all Hertfordshire, <laughs> Mr. Brainley. I'm a gigantic brain. Oh, oh, most ungentlemanlike. Mr. Brainley, what news have you of the London season? That's the whole show for me. That's all this show that is. That was like a hundred years earlier. That's I can't tell the difference between that idiot. clip from Futurama and this show. <laughs> Uh, 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, a little, a little bit. Yeah. Like it, it just, it did not, it did not grab me. Unfortunately, uh, I had high hopes. Maybe that was part of the problem. Uh, Tar, would you recommend that I see the movie? I've just never seen it. I never got around to it. So the movie is, I mean, if you didn't like this, you probably won't like the movie either, but I, I mean, I think the movie is great. It's the Emma Thompson won the best actress Oscar for it that year. She's of course, as we all know, wonderful. Um, she plays Margaret. Anthony Hopkins is Mr. Wilcox. Helen is Helena Bonham Carter. And um, right. Mr. Bast is some guy. He's like a Hayzak guy. I forget his name. Samuel West, I think, maybe. Sure. Who's, who's in Mr. Selfridge. <laughs> Another terrible thing that I watch too much of. Um, I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I think the movie is, is really good. But I, you know, like I said, I thought this was, this was really good, too. I agree with you about the, the casting uh, the sibling casting. I thought Philippa Colthard from, as Helen, who I'd never seen in anything before, was was. All right, but good. let's talk about the banana in the smoothie casting. That is Tracy Ullman. Yes. <laughs> you know, once you put Tracy well Ullman in a in a smoothie, all you can taste is the Tracy Ullman. It's uh, true, and uh, that is the case here. She plays Margaret's uh, aunt, aunt, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like like, like that, or perhaps if you prefer olives on a pizza once you put her in at something that's that's all you can taste and you can't pick her off miscast here she is i mean you know if if she could have pulled it off it would have been one of those amusing casting coups you know that they do every once in a while where it's like oh my god you know mr wilcox is played by andrew dice clay who would have thought and it worked how'd they do that but it doesn't work (laughs) it's just like it's tracy ullman all the time like she sounds like she's doing uh, the voice from one of her skits from the yeah. yeah i thought she was fine but that sort of farcy misunderstanding in the first episode with the um charles and yeah. pa- whoever the younger kid is and so Paul. you're not the one she's engaged to then like oh my god get on with it like mm-hmm. i know you know i know it was 100 years ago and things took longer but you know we get it i actually thought i, I thought it really t- like it really gelled for me in episode two I thought episode one was okay. And then episode two, I was like, oh, yes, yes. Even though we have this like, like the mother just is dead. (laughs) There's no, there's no real uh, forewarning of that. Yeah. Other than that, she, she has a day in bed every now and then, but I was like, it doesn't. No, exactly. (laughs) Like, was she chronically ill? We don't know. And then all of a sudden she's dead, Um, which I get, they had to like move the plot along, but Mm -hmm. um, still felt abrupt to me. The other thing that like, and I liked this, but the other thing that was just like, I chuckled every time this happened was the sort of like completely unbelievable coincidences that happen. Like everyone's always running into each other. Yeah, and in London. I'd actually, in London. <laughs> I actually wrote a note that like there were a number of street scenes in which these were the only people on the street <laughs> in London. Like, yes. could you just not afford to close background extras for more than two scenes? Because occasionally they'd be like in a train station or at a plant nursery or wherever. And like, oh, is it Mr. Wilcox then? But then there's just nobody. It's like, who else would it be? There's literally nobody else on this fucking street right now. <laughs> this is actually the prequel to 28 Days Later. It's all takes place. <laughs> 28 fortnights earlier. Yes, exactly. Yes, quite. Tally-ho. Barely. Well, Dory, you said you were you wanted this to scratch your Downton Abbey itch, and it sounds like it did. 
It certainly did. So thank you for bringing it into my life. <laughs> what in what respects was it better or worse the same? How how would you describe it to someone who was a Downton? Well, I mean, it's a mini series, right? So you don't get the satisfaction of several seasons long, drawn out, and and <laughs> you know, well, Downton Abbey. <laughs> Downton Abbey is like uh, I would I would call it a melodrama. Uh, yeah. Or a soap um, opera. Yeah. yeah, or a soap opera. And this isn't this doesn't feel soapy to me. No. Um so it's not quite as fun as Downton felt at times. Um mm-hmm. but I did enjoy like like the house porn and the and the costume porn and and the hairstyle porn and like all that stuff was very enjoyable to me. Yeah. Uh I thought they made some interesting choices uh in terms of um high highlighting stuff that was like maybe more prevalent in the book not so much in the in the movie in the same way that um the 1999 film of Mansfield Park did where they sort of foreground the colonial aspects that are kind of taken for granted you know in the original text but then they give them more of a modern I don't know, foregrounding, I guess, like it, specifically by casting a black woman to play Mrs. Bast mm-hmm. that is not something that is you know really in the book at all but it makes sense in terms of you know paralleling the wilcox's um ventures in africa and all that sort of stuff which they you know are talked about in other scenes too but when we find out what the relationship was with her and mr wilcox it's you know that's that's interesting and that gives another layer to it that i don't know if uh the movie does in the same way i mean it doesn't it's a different it's a different portrayal of that character for sure she's she's more blousy in the movie but um i also didn't realize that this was written by kenneth lonergan do we like him are we is this okay (laughs) (laughs) i know he's not a disgracio himself but he is disgrace adjacent running his mouth about casey affleck all the time so when i saw his name i was like oh man but it is really good do we agree i mean yeah, he has officially entered like problematic, uh-huh. the problematic zone. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so he's, he, he, so you'd be fair to say he's in the "don't throw your cigarette out of your car" fire alert. He's he's right there in that <laughs> yellow to orange thing. But I I would say let the listeners be the judge. Here's the piece of dialogue that he wrote from this show. Kippers for breakfast, Aunt Helga. Is it Saint Swithin's Day already? Tis replied, Aunt Helga. Good writing? I don't know. You be the judge. <laughs> I didn't notice him. So Yeah, no, I didn't either. Yeah, I guess that was fine. And as long as he didn't insert any, you know, Casey Affleck apologias <laughs> into episodes three and four, sure. <laughs> Not that I saw. You, you may pause. Well... I mean, it sounds like your mileage may vary on this one. It's not for Dave's. It's maybe for Sarah <laughs> over time. Uh, and Dory and I are on board. So, you know, figure out where you are on that spectrum and check out Howard's End on Stars Sunday nights. Bosh! <laughs> <laughs> It's time to go around the dial. We're all going to talk about something we're watching these days. First stop, Tara Ariano. Uh, New Girl is back for its final season. It did that thing that some sitcoms do. I don't know why, where they jump forward in time. This takes place three years after where we left off, which is almost accurate to how long it's been since the 
season six before you continue over a year ago yes is it worse than the parks and recreation time jump because that was the worst oh god definitely not that was no 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 yeah okay good phew no there's there's no drones in the plot there's none of that bullshit it's just (laughs) three years have passed people have a baby it's no big deal okay um and uh and i had forgotten how sweet that season six um they had a really emotional finale where Nick and Jess finally figure their shit out and get back together. And if you care about the show, that was a big moment. I forgot that that was where it ended. It was like, oh, yeah, because they show a little bit of it at the beginning of this episode. And then they have a fake fake out where you see her with another guy. But as I said, it's a fake fake out. Um, the uh, the episode is good. It brings back um, Dermot Mulroney's Russell, who was a season one love interest for Jess um we find out the reason that that um cc and schmidt hang out with him is that he has a kid in their kids tumbling class and jess is like how many kids does he have now and he's like 50 from 100 different women figure that one out like he's just really funny in this part it makes no sense but is funny schmidt has grown a mustache that nick hates that's a major plot thread like it's back to its its uh original form of like just stupid silliness uh there is an emotional thread that runs through it which uh I imagine will be, you know, played out over the whole course of the season. But uh, I had forgotten how much I missed the show. I really liked it. Um, it's sweet. And uh, everyone is still funny. But I'm also glad for all their sakes that they get to go on and do other things, especially after seeing Max Greenfield in American Crime Story this season and being reminded, oh, yeah, he can do more than Schmidt. He's actually a good actor. Um, so this will probably be good for everybody except maybe Hannah Simone. Sorry, weak link. Um, <laughs> the series. And- yeah, seriously. And for my plugs, uh, my plug, I will mention my recaps of the Americans. It was our lead topic on this podcast last week. Uh, they take a lot of blood, sweat and tears and effort and time. And uh, I'm really happy to be doing them again. And I hope that you will check them out or listen to me, read them to you on the Epic Old School Recaps podcast. And you can find all of that at previously.tv. Dory, it's your turn. So my round the dial is Billions, which is now in season three. And to be honest, I, I I like never really thought we would get here because season one, we just get this huge feud between the head of the hedge fund Axe Capital um, Axe and the U.S. attorney um, in New York, uh, Chuck. And they their lives are intertwined in a way that is like almost farcical and <laughs> I just think this show has gotten better. Um, you know, season two, I thought was was excellent and managed to kind of take the show in a direction that I wasn't necessarily expecting. And now we're in season three and it's just kind of like building on on everything we saw in season two. Like Axe and Chuck still hate each other, but there's like new elements to their hatred. <laughs> um, and I, I am still really enjoying this show. Awesome. Is Axe his yeah. first name or his last name? Short for Axelrod or something. Axelrod. Oh, okay. uh, Bobby Bobby Axelrod is his Phew. is his real full name. Bobby Axelrod. That is amazing. <laughs> That's Brody <laughs> from Homeland, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Awesome. And he's um he's supposed to be, from what I understand, he's supposed to be based on Steve Cohen of um SAC, which was like a big disgraced hedge fund in Connecticut. So it's 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 all somewhat 
true to life, but of course heightened to a ridiculous degree. Side Um, note on him, speaking of ridiculous, I just read today that he's going to be playing Rob Ford in a movie. (laughs) Yes. Our esteemed colleague, John Ramos, just tweeted that at our esteemed colleague, Danny McAgrid, and was like, how could you do this to us? (laughs) So yeah, John was a big, super unfan of Billions when it first premiered. So, But I've also heard that it got better. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that too. I think it. I think there were a lot of skeptics um, who watched a couple episodes of season one and then just like dismissed it, and then mm-hmm. have come back um, in season two because I, I think season two was like very very good. Um, and my plug is my new podcast, Forever Thirty Five, which mm-hmm. I host with my friend Kate Spencer, and we talk about self care and wellness and all sorts of things. Um, and a lot about serums also. So give that a listen. And uh, my my novel startup just came out in paperback. So Ooh. you can check that out. Yeah. We'll link to both of those in the show notes. Thank you. Sarah D. Bunting. I am here to talk briefly, I promise, about <laughs> Paterno, um, the uh, Jopa biopic starring Alpa Gino. Uh, it's, I mean, it's not horrible, but I can't recommend it either. Um, Pacino is fine, I guess. Um, Annie Paris and Greg Grunberg as Joe Pa's incredulous and super sweary kids are actually pretty fucking great. And I kind of wish the whole movie had been about like paterno, you know, juniors because they, they were hilarious. And I always love, uh, Grunberg. Sean, uh, the guy they cast as Jerry Sandusky is really unsettlingly close with the resemblance. Um, He doesn't get much to do. Fortunately, I think that's the only thing he was cast for. He, his IMDB page is like all reenactments. Um, And so, yeah, Elvis's granddaughter, I think I did not realize is like a legit actress. And she plays the, um, she plays the reporter who was sort of at the center of breaking the story. Oh, yeah, she's but, good. She was in The Girlfriend Experience in season one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, I, st- I still have to get around to watching that. Um, here's the thing about this. Well, there's two things about this story. And the first is that this is called Paterno, and that's sort of misleading because it's really the Sandusky scandal and how various people handled it or didn't. And gross, I just used the word handled. I'm sorry. So you you kind of have to take, I think, with this a like spotlight or all the president's men narrative approach where the story is the building of the story. Because the second thing is that people either already know what happened or will just Google various beats. So you have to do something different besides just hitting all the historical like dates and stuff. Right. Um this just isn't what this kind of um, like event TV movie is for anymore. Like in the eighties, you can you could do this like event based movie or miniseries and plod through this like exposition and bring everybody up to date. Because if you were full of shit, people would have to wait until the next morning when the library opened to check you on it. And now that's <laughs> not true. So in 2018, I mean, this is directed by Barry Levinson and he does a fine job. And as much as I love slash have indulged that guy's work, he's kind of old school. And this needed a fresher approach to the framework in which uh, it rested. But no doubt Al Pacino is going to be lined up for an Emmy nomination for it. Good for him. He's not taking anything away from me, but this is a missable hour and 47 minutes. So miss it. I should have. Um <laughs> 
Speaking of things that are or not groundbreaking in the genre, uh, my plug is for our true crime podcast, The Blotter Presents. We are covering the sort of godfather of prestige TV true crime, The Staircase, this week that will have dropped by the time you're hearing this. My guest is Stephanie Early Green. Uh, This is probably the most requested uh, property that uh, I've seen on our tip line in the forums. So I'm glad that we're getting around to uh, talking about it before yet another update um, is uh, drops at Tribeca Film Festival later this month. So check that out. That's The Blotter Presents. New show on BBC America, Killing Eve, uh, started. We watched almost the whole season here at uh, Screener Privilege HQ. Um, <laughs> this is sort of, I was, I was trying to figure out how to describe it. Um, it's written, it, it's based on a series of novels. It's written by the uh, lady that did Fleabag, and I want to say her name is Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. yeah well done. Soon to be a sassy robot in the Han Solo movie. Um <laughs> My first instinct was say it's a spy show, but it's actually more like Catch Me If You Can with uh, yeah with good career analogy. ladies. One of their careers is an assassin, and the other is an analyst in the uh, uh, what is it? MI five, MI six. Well, she starts at MI five, and then she gets fired and gets secretly hired by a very right. secret MI six pod. Right, and that's Sandra O oh playing the analyst, and it is good. Um, mm-hmm. It is walking a very satisfying line between comedy and thriller. And the cat and mouse game that plays out through the season sort of has these beats that are unexpected and work really well. I won't give out what they are, but it's not just I missed you by, you know, three minutes here. And gosh, I sure would like to know your identity and get a picture of your face in the cctv and blah 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 like a lot of neat stuff happens between these two characters and mm-hmm. as the season progresses and the story gets bigger um it is pretty interesting even though i think the genesis of the character is sort of a modern cliche red sparrow black widow-esque kind of operative is sort of in play here but that aside it is really entertaining it's got a great sort of feel to it it's light and heavy at the same time it's like putting half and half on your cereal it's great <laughs> it wow. doesn't okay. what i liked about it is the unslickness of it at, at a certain point i turned to dave and was like i love that the office is so grubby like yeah it doesn't it's very british in that it doesn't look like they have like crazy csi level tech like it just looks like a boring office where you could be doing anything like it's it's not showy in that way it's it's not slick and i the other thing that i loved and i don't know how much of this is the influence of a female writer but um how often you see the assassin get into places doing things other than looking sexy. Like we all love alias, but like sometimes she's just being a nurse. Sometimes she's a cater waiter. Like it's not always about her trading on her looks. And also there are many scenes where she's in flat boots. And I was like, yes, she's got to move. Like she has to be practical. It would be stupid for her to be in like spike heels all the time. Um, so yeah, it's, there's just a lot of, uh, Interesting, clever touches. Sandra O, oh, of course, is amazing. Um, and the woman who plays the assassin, Villanelle, is this actress named Jodie Comer, who I've never really known before. But then when I looked her up, I was like, oh, of course. She was in that show 13 last summer or two summers ago about the sure. woman who comes back from being abducted. 
she was on um the white princess which i also didn't watch on stars but like some of her she's she has this very funny swagger to her like she's she it's it's a very witty character and there was a lot of times where i could imagine phoebe wellerbridge from the fleabag like delivering her line readings like mm-hmm. she's the it's it's very interesting how how she's written and how she plays it like she's she she gets to do a lot and it's really fun to watch her i would say yeah is this bunt nip oh yeah sarah yeah. you would love this and martin yeah, from uh, the bridge is in it as well oh yeah martin from the original bridge yeah martin oh, nice. Yeah, he's her. He's yeah. the assassin's handler. Yeah, it's 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 still delightfully British. I, I clipped a uh, a little bit from the show. Let's let's have a listen. Kippers for breakfast, Aunt Helga. Is it Saint Swithin's Day already? Tis, replied Aunt Helga. Dave. Music means it is time for another canon pitch. This week, Dory is pitching. Take it away, Dory. So I am pitching the once bitten episode of Big Little Lies, which is episode five. Um, A lot happens in this episode. um, And leading up to now, we know that um, Amabella, who is the daughter of Laura Dern, is getting bullied at school. And it seems like the uh, Ziggy, who is the son of uh, the Shailene Woodley character, it seems like he is the bully. And there's a, there's all this drama around this um whole situation also it's like compounded by shailene woodley's character being this young single mom who's kind of poor and she lives in this rich fancy town and all like laura dern is this like older badass slash bitchy um (laughs) woman who is just like on a rampage to get Ziggy kicked out of school. So that's all kind of been leading up to this episode. And then um, in the beginning of the episode, Laura Dern, uh, her character finds another bruise on her daughter, Amabella. um, And they have this kind of amazing, like... (laughs) proto me too discussion um (laughs) where like laura dern is encouraging her six-year-old daughter to like stand up to the bullies and you know she has to tell and and you're kind of like yeah but then you're also like oh my god she's unhinged um so this was my my first clip oh my god okay honey mommy is getting very upset i'm getting very very upset because someone is bullying you and you never let a bully win. Do you hear me? You have to speak up, Amabella. You have to be a big girl and use your voice in this world. That's why they call me a bulldog, because I had to learn how to fight back with a bully. Um, so I, I just love Laura Dern in general, but I, I kind of especially love her as this mom who's like not she's she's complicated like you want to sympathize with her because her daughter's getting bullied but she's also like that shit um (laughs) so i i really enjoyed the way that laura dern 
um, plays this role. And uh, that scene in particular, I thought was like really, really well done. Um, And then meanwhile, there's all there's all this other drama, of course, going on with every other couple um, in this town. This is it's like this this town is just it's the most dramatic town like in the world. Um, and I should also say I read the book before I like I I'd read the book a couple years ago. Um the the Big Little Lies book by Leanne Moriarty and the book is Leanne Moriarty is Australian. The book is set in Australia. I really enjoyed the book. Um but the book is like it's not like great literature. Uh, it's it's very plot driven. I've read a lot of Leanne Moriarty books and she kind of she she does the same thing in every book where like something dramatic and mysterious happens in, in the first chapter. And then the rest of the book is um, like all the events leading up to it. And you don't really know exactly what the like what the bad thing was that happened in the first chapter. And the same thing happens in the in the show where you know something bad has happened you know someone's been killed but you don't know who and you don't know how um anyway i thought this was like one of the rare times when the when the tv show improved on the book um and there's just so there's so much here that is so great and and in this episode also you just kind of get such a such a sort of dark, darkly intimate glimpse into people's marriages. Um, but there's also humor. Uh, like this, the, this clip just made me laugh. Um, the, the second clip, you can, you may play it. Do not use the downstairs bathroom, honey. Jesus. Who among so, us, etc. Exactly. Um, and so this is Adam Scott's character, and he's kind of like this. So I, I don't want to call him sad, but you know, his wife has been cheating on him. His wife is Reese Witherspoon. Um and he's like they sort of paint him as this beta male, uh, if you yeah. will. Um and Reese, I feel like Reese is just like she is so in her element in this in this whole this whole show. Um because again, like she's at once Tracy Flick all grown mm-hmm. up, but then also like much I, she's much more sympathetic and you get these glimpses of her being kind of a monster but then also really kind and she really has taken um shailene woodley's character under her wing um so (laughs) there's this there's this part uh a little bit later in the episode where the 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 stuff i mentioned earlier about the the bullying kind of comes to a head where um everyone gets called literally gets called to the principal's office it's uh laura dern and her husband and then shailene woodley comes in and they're they're supposed to be having this kind of like summit but no one's really in charge and it all just kind of like devolves and um laura dern is so pissed off and just you know thinks no one is doing anything to protect her daughter um and then so this the this next clip is the end of the scene in the principal's office. And then we immediately switch to a cafe where 
Reese Witherspoon and Shailene Woodley are having tea or coffee. I don't want refreshments. I want you to make your son stop abusing my girl. She's a fake bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, we go from like this very highly emotional scene in the principal's office where Laura Dern is just, you know, she will fiercely defend her daughter and fight for her daughter no matter what, you know, no matter what. And you're obviously also sympathizing with Shailene Woodley, but you kind of feel both of their pain. And then immediately when we go to, <laughs> we go to Reese Witherspoon, like Shailene Woodley has obviously just finished telling her the whole story. And this is Reese's response. And I was, I just was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that whole, that whole dynamic was just so, I just felt like was so great and so well done. Um, and then there's another sadder storyline in this, in this show, which is, um, Nicole Kidman's character, whose name is Celeste and her husband, Perry, who's played by Alexander Skarsgård. Um, and Perry is abusing Celeste, physically abusing Celeste and, the scenes where he's abusing her are like pretty hard to watch. Um, Although (laughs) there is a famous scene in another episode. I think it's the next episode where she hits his dick with a tennis racket. (laughs) Yeah, she does. Um, And uh, anyway, but in this episode, she, um, there's another fight and you see kind of the whole relationship with their two amc network's sundance now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas heart-stopping thrillers and gripping true crime series from around the world sundance now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own why is sundance now so awesome Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as $4.99 a month with an annual membership. And you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. But the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so... Let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now kids they're twin boys and it's 
it's it's it's tough to watch and Perry is so awful and Alexander Skarsgård is like so well cast um because he's this like tall nordic asshole um and he's just like he's original title of the show by the yeah. way <laughs> tall nordic <laughs> asshole yeah uh, that's the spin-off um so uh so they've they've started going to couples therapy but in this episode for the first time Celeste goes to the therapist um, on her own because like clearly things have gotten so bad, but she has a really hard time articulating um, what is going on. I think she, she doesn't like to see herself as a victim. She doesn't want to kind of reveal these details of her marriage. She feels like she's betraying Perry. She, she's kind of accepting some of the blame for it, even though, like she is obviously the victim here. Um, and so these scenes with the therapist, I think like if you had forgotten what, how good of an actress Nicole Kidman is, I think like you will remember uh, when you watch these therapy scenes, because we're obviously not going to be able to hear this on the audio, but like her, <laughs> the expressions that she is able to make to the extent that her face is like Botox within an inch of its life. <laughs> Um, yeah. are are very good. Yeah, you're kind of like, wow, she's a really good actress because she's <laughs> still able to express herself and her face doesn't move. Um, but I thought in this scene, it was particularly well done. Um, so they're talking about, the therapist is asking her just like, why are you here? And the therapist clearly knows what's going on, um, but wants celeste to be the one to say it so we can play the next clip why did you want to come in today i don't know something happened um no just the usual you know and when you left this morning we made love It's as if our, um, it's as if we turn each other on by rage. Mm. And that's a problem, I think. Do you think that's a problem? Well, I'm encouraged that you at least think of it as lovemaking, because sex isn't always that. Dun, dun, dun. Um... So, yeah, so these scenes, I mean, <laughs> as I'm listening back to them with just the audio, they kind of, they said they do sound kind of ridiculous. Um, but I assure you that when you when you watch them, they are quite moving and also hard again, like hard to watch because this woman is just so like she's literally been so beaten down. The part um, of that scene that, that really gets you is the silent flashbacks during those extended yes. pauses where people are throwing yes. Lego at each other or dumping Lego yes. at each other. It is yeah. the fact that you don't hear the audio of that bit for some reason makes it 10 times as worse. Yes, yeah. totally. Yeah. So that fight was precipitated by um, the, the there being Legos all over the living room and Perry's upset about this. And Celeste says, I'll clean them up later. And then 
it leads to a fight that leads that and he's like beating her but then that leads to sex and so this seems to have just happened um but yeah that that scene is so intense so um yeah so this is my canon nomination (laughs) um i just yes i thought i would really (laughs) choose something uplifting um but uh yeah i i i am i'm nominating this for the canon i i will also say that i am I don't know what to think about season two. You know, this was never supposed to have a season two. There is no book of season two. Like, obviously, they've managed with Game of Thrones um, and you don't have to have a book uh, to, you know, I think Bobby Finger was talking about this on a recent episode with The Leftovers. Like, you obviously don't need another book to have another season. Um, But this was so, like, self-contained it centers around a murder mystery that is solved. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I have faith in this team and this cast. And so like, I want to think that it will be good, but I'm also sort of side eyeing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, thank you so much for this presentation. Uh, <laughs> I did not actually take many notes when I was rewatching this. Uh, I I am sort of encouraged for season two because I would watch like a total, not reboot, but just like reimagining of the series as like the three or four women or five, I guess, counting Bonnie, um, just like go- solving mysteries around Northern <laughs> California. Like I'll watch that. Um, but yeah, I didn't take many notes, which I think is really, um, it really speaks to how, uh, how much sustain this show has by which I mean like Mm. that you're pulled right back into it, but also that things about it um, have stayed with me since uh, the original run and came right back to me in terms of like how uncomfortable and real Mm -hmm. uh, they were. Um, The atmospherics, the sound design, um, the performances of all four of the leads and the fact that, I feel like when we as a culture were discussing this show that we were all just referring to the characters by the actors names. And I think it's really interesting how the actors, like the data that we have on them in real life informs these characters, but in a way that I think is great. Like when Nicole Kidman's character, whatever, when Nicole (laughs) is going through this therapy session, you ha- you're you sort of like flashing on what it must have been like after she was excused from her um, suppressive person relationship with Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. um, and like, I feel like maybe this is, as you said, for Reese Witherspoon, Tracy Flick, all grown up, but also this realization of Reese herself, my birthday mate, and this sort of like... <laughs> bulldog but also a little daffy um yeah person that i think has never gotten credit for that like that that forcefulness of hers is not is really not to be trifled with but also can be funny so Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. she's just i love her i love madeline so much um she has this one thing. She was sleeping with the theater director for a while and she broke it off and she's in a car wreck in this episode with him. And it's a whole thing. 
because what were you doing with the car in the car with him? And she's like already spinning this. Yes. And totally. it's so obvious. And it feels like um, Beta Scott must know what she's talking about. <laughs> yeah. But she has this conversation with um, with the the director who's like still a little lovelorn with her. And yep. uh, he's like, I know there's feelings between us. And she's like, if you know that, then just cling to that. And just yeah. the <laughs> delivery yeah. of that line is like, so, I mean, that's the character right there. And it's both like, oh, Maddie, but also like, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> shade all the time. Um, yeah. The, and the portrayal of uh, Celeste and Perry's marriage is like really dark and does mm -hmm. not turn away from the, the parts where they're like turned on by how dark it is by each other. Yeah. And yeah, I think this episode really gets at what makes the what made this series powerful, which I hope they don't lose. Uh, and a lot of it was that the big little lies are really like not lies that the characters are telling to, to each other as much as to themselves. Mm. Um, and then, but we see, we're able to see a little bit through this fog, which is like always present in the physical space where they are in Monterey. So um, I enjoyed watching this again, even though it could be uh, really brutal yeah. to, to go through it again. I liked the montaging that they, that they do with the flashbacks or like flash sides um, mm -hmm. or like dream flashes that they do. Like they, they use that judiciously. I think they do a good job. Um, so yeah, it was a pleasure, I guess, to come back to this and, <laughs> Really a pleasure to be reunited with Madeline, who is great. Tara. Uh, I was just mostly relieved that this was not the barf episode. That's episode six. Um, since Sarah <laughs> uh, had to <laughs> suffer through down. Silicon Valley recently with oh, a barf episode of that. Well, so. I, like I knew, I think I knew that was coming on original airing and just like jumped forward over it. I was like, yeah, okay, I didn't have to do that. Cool. Um. Yeah, the, Renata is amazing in this episode, and I especially like the scene <coughs> excuse me, with where she's essentially confronting her own daughter and trying to hector her into, you know, making a disclosure, and that it lets Gordon, her husband, step up and be the 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 saner one of the two because we haven't really seen anything to this yeah. point in the series that has made him look good. Um, but Eve Beatty pointed this out in her coverage at the time that I, I remembered that that she <clears throat> thought that Gordon had a nice touch uh, in that scene, you know, sp spinning it to Amabella as, uh, you know, you're too, you wouldn't want him to hurt someone else. You're too kind for that. Mm -hmm. Renata is an amazing character. Obviously, Laura Dern is is great. And um, the spin that the the. the 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 reading that she gives on the line when she shows up to the principal's office and er, early, obviously intentionally, and just happens to run into Jane, who's there for the appointment slot before for her. And then at first is like, oh, great, we're all here. Like, it's trying to be cheerful and then like loses yeah. it immediately. And Jane has to give her a Kleenex. <laughs> like, just so much careful observation of these characters is is what makes the show so great and what makes um her scenes in this episode particularly great too i Speaking think it's also which, a good i think it's a good sorry to interrupt but i think it's a okay. good realization of this idea that like this mother is not like a sort of natural at some of the emotional elements of like relating to a child yes which mm. a lot of moms aren't but 
the I think the writing and the certainly Dern's portrayal is very compassionate about the fact that she still loves Amabella fiercely, but she's really struggling with how how to be with that. So I just th- yeah. I think it's great on both counts. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, I agree. That's that's a great observation. And, you know, the show knows that you can't just attack motherhood in the same type A way that you've attacked every exactly. other aspect of your life mm-hmm. and career. You know, it's not the same kind of a thing. Um, and the scene with uh, with Celeste and the therapist is a, a real triumph of writing the editing, too, as we mentioned, you know, the yeah. way the way it's the way it's framed and and cut. But also like that Celeste comes into it clearly not intending to disclose what's actually happening, the extent of it. Um, and then by the time, you know, the therapist like just very gently gets her to that point where she's admitting it. Um, yeah. You know, by saying like, does he ever hit the children? Then she has to say no. Oh, whoops. He hits me. Like, you know, not that she has that realization that she's told on herself, but that, you know, there's no point anymore pretending that they don't both know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really well written. I love Robin Weigert as a therapist. I just read this week that she's going to be back for season two. So at least that's one thing to look forward to. Yay. Yes. Um, <clears throat> but uh, but the way that that Celeste is in therapy and like try, just trying to keep making excuses for Perry, even when he's not there, like, yeah. you know, it was his idea that we come to therapy, which I think speaks well of him, like. <laughs> but does it you know like yeah that she's she's going to she's going to keep doing this for him until she doesn't and i think that the turning point that she eventually comes to is is obviously you know i think really well done but she she's not there yet and the episode closes with her taking the boys to surprise perry at the airport for when he's getting back from his from his trip and so yeah she's 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 had a breakthrough of sorts in therapy mm-hmm. but she's not all the way to where she needs to be um, but I, uh, the Jane storyline is not my favorite in this one. Um, yeah, that's true. She, yeah. She, she, uh, they, they've been trying to figure out who the, the identity of the person who assaulted her and they think that they've narrowed it down to this guy who's in San Luis Obispo. And so she lies to her friends and takes off to go and confront him, um, and see if she can look Did, him in the face and see if it's really him. Go ahead. Had you guys read the book before you no. watched did no, you, I had not. Did you guess who Saxon Banks was? Yes. Yes. Like, I feel like a lot of people did. <laughs> um, and, and I don't know if they, I don't know. How do you think they, do you think they did that well? Or do you think it, they made it way too obvious? No, I think it was, I think they did do it well. I, I mean, I, for me, a show like this doesn't have to be a murder mystery. I mean, it mm-hmm. is, but like that, that obviously is not the point of it. You know, it's not, the point right. of it isn't to solve it. This isn't sure. Westworld, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> either, you're not, that, that's not what they're trying to do. So that didn't bother me. I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's going to be someone in their circle of acquaintance and it was pretty much either him or Gordon. Right. You know, so. Yeah. I, I, and it wasn't, it clearly wasn't Gordon by this point, I think. Right. So, yeah, yeah, it was like an economy of characters thing. Yeah, I wasn't bothered by that. I just no, guessed I wasn't it was either. him. I, th- I thought they handled it well. Like, okay. This is a character study more so than it is plot T, regardless of yeah. what the source material is, I think. I mean, like, I I obviously knew what happened, but I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, 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 yeah me too. 
Um, and my favorite moment of this episode was definitely not the music cue that keeps coming up with the scream, which I found extremely stressful and unpleasant. <laughs> yes, same. Um, but the shot where Jane is running on the beach and then and then all of a sudden Celeste is flanking her on one side and, and yes, and like, I love that. that. That's that was the that was the peak that gets me every time. So uh, it was a pleasure to revisit that part of it again. But I just wonder if this episode isn't too much setting up stuff that kind of pays off in the last two episodes of the season to be a mm. canon pick for me. So that's where that's where I am as I throw it to Dave. Okay. So in the history of the canon, there are shows that you're into and there are shows that you're not into. And sometimes I can appreciate a show that I'm not into for what it is. And the first example of that was none other than Sarah D. Bunting uh, pitching 90210 back in the day. Uh, oh, a show that I never wow. watched, but can appreciate for the terrible train wreck teen soap opera that that episode was. Uh, <laughs> this show just generally is hard for me to get into, though there are some things that I generally like. Laura Dern is excellent in this. I could do with like 10 times as the, the amount of her yelling at people. Like, guys, just listen, <laughs> just listen to yeah. this. Someone is biting our daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh. and, uh, but it's just, it's just not for me. And I couldn't really find any hooks into it. Why are Nicole Kidman's eyes always pink now? <laughs> <laughs> she, she really needs some Visine. I really wanted to she buy it. She can't close them anymore. Cause the Botox has, I think that's accurate. I was going to leave it at that rather than bore people with all my, my stuff. So let us put this to an official vote. So I'm going to say no. Although. Stop. Sarah D. Bunting, what say you? Um, if only because I can now turn do not use the downstairs bathroom, honey, Jesus, <laughs> into my ringtone for my husband. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Dan, but you know it's true. Um, uh, I'm going to vote yes. I think that this, I did want to keep watching after, which is one of my criteria. And I do think that this epitomizes everything that this show did really well for me. So Tara, hmm, what will become of this episode and before you answer tara just remember do not make this a referendum on my anger <laughs> uh i did actually recently rewatch the whole season when my mom was here at christmas because yeah. she does not get the show in pakistan go figure um so this was all very fresh in my mind still and i i thought this was a great episode and an excellent presentation but i'm gonna vote no just because for me this is too, this episode is too much like middle of the run table setting for stuff that pays off later for me to vote for it for now but thank you so much for letting us watch it again especially watching it with dave who loved it jk nah. <laughs> if you know that then just cling to that <laughs> all right guys so unfortunately that means big little lies season one episode five once bitten someone is biting our daughter you are hereby mm-hmm. not inducted into the extra. Ah, oh, great game. Americans love a winner. Yeah. And will not tolerate a loser. No. It is time for winner and loser of the week. Who is our winner? We have three winners this week. All shows that were uh, renewed for season two before their season one premieres had even aired, including... 
the F-word discussed killing Eve on BBC America, a show on Fox called Deep State with Mark Strong trying to claw his way back after Low Winter Sun, <laughs> and a show on WGN called Pure that I know zero about. All of them have already been renewed for season two. That must mean that they are great, right? Question mark. We will see. Hmm. And loser of the week? Um, Cretans. Uh, <laughs> Lifetime has cut ties with uh, the Weinstein Company and Project Runway over uh, Harvey Weinstein. And this just in, TJ Miller has been arrested <laughs> for phoning in a fake bomb threat on Amtrak. Allegedly, whatever. He totally did that. He's a douche. Seems like things are going great for him. Yeah. Uh, not only not only did he did he phone in a fake bomb threat he also gave them the wrong train number <laughs> what <laughs> yes <laughs> he phoned in a yeah, fake bomb right. threat for the train he was not on <laughs> wow okay uh that leads to a question do we know what time it is time to not take the train it's non-regulation game time Yay! <laughs> We are between seasons, the valued guests having just clinched their first season victory in our last episode. So you know what that means, non-regulation game time, which Dave can play. This game is Tube Tunes 2. It is a sequel to the non-regulation game time from a couple of weeks ago when Sarah was off for her birthday. And it is very simple. Dave is going to play a clip, which I have selected, and he has been on his honor not to have peeked at them. They are just numbered in his soundboard. Uh, He'll play a clip. Uh, The person whose turn it is guesses what show it's from, and that's it. No hints. These are all original songs created for these shows. No show is in the game more than once, um, and there are only 24 questions, so we should get through this very quickly. I am going to be so bad at this, but please go on. (laughs) You don't know. You might be great. Uh, Let's turn it to Throat Picky to see who goes first. We will start with David. Okay. That's me, David. David. Let's start with David, and then we'll go Westy. So we'll go Dave, Dory, Sarah. I'm ready. Okay, Dave, please play the first clip. Sweetheart, here's what you're not understanding. I'm street smart. You mean because you minored in urban planning, bitch? I know you. That tough act's a bluff. So check it, Bavaka, shut the fuck up. Wow. Huh. Dave. Can I listen to that again, please? Sure. Sweetheart, here's what you're not understanding. I'm street smart. You mean because you minored in urban planning, bitch? I know you. That tough act's a bluff. So check it, Bavaka, shut the fuck up. I'll just give you a hint, which is that this is the this is the internet only explicit version. It did not air in this form. There were bleeps. <laughs> okay. Uh, I honestly have no idea. Anyone else have a guess? Crazy ex-girlfriend. Sarah is correct. It is crazy. Ah, uh, all right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Play clip two for Dory. Okay, I do actually know this one. It's Portlandia. See? Correct. <sighs> ding, ding, ding. Yay! We have the hustler. <laughs> uh, please play clip three for Sarah. I've got a headache, but I'm okay. I've 
like three options so uh ben stiller show ding 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 yeah what? i guess too <laughs> correct yeah. a little bit that's from there 90210 slash the heights spoof i originally uh, was gonna go play with the grungies theme song uh, but that one is the exact that? same tune as the monkeys so i felt like it wasn't original enough a little peek behind the curtain for it all right on <laughs> to clip four this is for dave Woo! look out moon america's gonna get you gonna go Look out, Bunky. Uh, that is Mr. Show. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Correct. Okay, please play clip five for Dory. Carl Michael and Sammy, Jim Dwight Green, Carl Edney and Kelly for your business paper needs. Dunder Mifflin, the people person's paper people. Dunder Mifflin, the people person's paper people. Time out, time out, time out. That is the office. Ding, 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 ding. Correct. Please play clip six for Sarah. Made the music up so I was respected. Not neglected so the money was collected. <laughs> Love my neighbor because my neighbor loved me. I jiggity jack 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 to make it max. Switch it up. Jay. Switch it up. Uh, I switch it up. We just switch it up. Yeah. I switch it up. Uh, I actually don't hate that break. I, think it's I was um, <laughs> chair dancing. <laughs> what did you do? Uh, that is David Silver with a little help from the Shaw High School gang, as it were, in Beverly Hills, Niners Toronto. Ding, 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 ding. Correct. Okay, please play clip seven for yourself, Dave. That is season two of Jessica Jones. Ding, 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 ding. Correct. Okay. Play clip eight for Dory. You are everybody. You are everybody. Acting like it's stupid people when it's been too close. Uh... I have no idea. Big show. Shit, it's stuck in anyone, my head, too. Anyone else have a guess? Yeah, I know what it is. Yeah, me okay. too. Yeah, it's lost. That is correct. It is mm. lost. Okay. Got a hit of that character so much. I know, he's <laughs> the worst. Please play clip nine for Sarah. The ring came off my pudding can. Take my penknife, my good man. I swear it's Springfield's only choice. Throw up your hands and raise your voice. What's it called? Once again. Mono. Oh, nice of them to throw Springfield in there for the Unsimpsons watcher. That's the Simpsons. <laughs> Ding. That is correct. Okay. Dave, clip 10 is for you. Segregation. And dance. <laughs> That's Tammy from uh uh excuse me, Kids in the Hall. Ding ding ding, correct. Nice. Clip eleven is for Dory. 
stuck in my in my it's head all week missing the beastie boys break in there yeah yeah all right well anyone mm. else 30 rock correct uh, that is oh it was a fundraiser to uh get yeah, a kidney alan alda for... a new kidney yes alan alda is jack's biological father okay please play clip 12 for sarah and then we'll have a score break Step aside, I'm back again. So hype, so lit, adrenaline. I'm Shangela. Say what? Started as a baby, now I'm all grown up. Gonna take this verse just to let you know. Never listen to the haters. Be a pro. Cause I worked my way, paid my dues. Now I got the whole world screaming hallelujah. Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race? Hello? <clears throat> no? Not I'll RuPaul's Drag Race? It's RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars, but that's uh. all. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's get a score break. Dun, uh, dun, everybody dun. is on the board. Dory has two. Dave has three. I have four. Very close game. Woo! Okay. Dave, please play Clip 13 for yourself. Still one of the funniest uh, reoccurring bits <laughs> they did on The Crawl Show. Ding, ding, ding. Correct. Please play nice. clip 14 for Dory. Guys, remember when I said I was going to be really bad at this game? <laughs> but then you got the first two right. I did, but I feel like those were like easy ones. Well, I don't know. I don't know what this song it's, it's, is. It's a show that involved a pit, apparently. Yes. <clears throat> Dave. Parks and Rec. That is correct. It is Parks and Recreation. I actually okay. watched Parks and Rec. I also watched 30 Rock. I just don't remember these songs. <laughs> well, <laughs> in your okay. defense, you're very busy. You have like 12 projects going on. <laughs> That's true. All right, I please have, play. I have one. <laughs> it's this game time. <laughs> please play, speaking of this game time, clip 15 for Sarah. I'm my on the bed, on the floor, on a towel by the door, in the tub, in the car, up against the mini bar. I'm huh. Uh, Benson? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> That's from Jimmy Kimmel Live. Ah, uh, okay. From Sarah okay. Silverman dating Jimmy Kimmel times. Okay. All right. Uh, clip 16 is for Dave. Generic 90s grunge song. Everyone in Flandrum, generic 90s grunge song, something from Seattle. <laughs> I, I want to play that one more time, please. Okay. 
Generic 90s grunge song Everyone in Flanders Generic 90s grunge song Something bronzy at all I have never heard that before in my life, as far as I know. Yeah, you have. Um, Saturday Night Live? You, no, it's BoJack Horseman. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's for one of the flashback episodes. I don't remember that, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yes, I would have right. guessed SNL, too. Yeah. All right. Clip 17 is for Dory. It's pretty cool. My daddy's tall and sweet, like a candy cane. <gasps> and when we walk down the street, we refuse to explain. How a daddy's boy And a daddy's boy's daddy And a daddy's boy's daddy's daddy Who love each other so Family guy? <laughs> That's a good guess mm. I can see why you would guess that, but no oh. Sarah or Dave Kimmy Schmidt Correct. It is Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Mm. Uh, clip 18 is for Sarah. Tiberius Smith, T-King for short. I'm a bad member and an awful sport. Smoochie Wallace, you could call me Ty Royal. Wrapping up rushes like aluminum foil. The Kringo Berry, I'm very scary. If I got the ball, you best be wary. La Carpetron, Duke Marion. I love the ball so much I want to marry it. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I, f- I feel like I know it, and I'm going to be you mad. Do. Yeah, maybe. It's, I don't think it's a show you watch, but no. I think you do. You might get it. You still might get it. Uh, is it Key and Peele? Ding, 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 ding. Nicely done. And I, it's only because another my other birthday mate, uh, I've recognized his voice, I think, mm-hmm. but people send me this clip all the time. Oh, yeah. I don't know why, so yay. Well done. Okay. Uh, clip 19 is for Dave. I don't care what your mama says. Christmas time is near. I don't care what your daddy says. Christmas time is near. All I know is the Santa sleigh is making its way to the USA. All right, that's Saturday Night Live. Ding, ding, ding. Correct. Remember when we thought Jimmy Fallon grinning and laughing at his own shit was funny? <laughs> no. No. Um, clip 20 is for Dory. Here we go. Could you play that again? Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, that didn't help. I don't know. <laughs> I feel you, girl. <laughs> that was The Late Show with David Letterman, who you could hear at the beginning. Of the uh, I figured it was a late show. But I, guess, I mean, a you know, late night talk show. That, can, can place that was a segment that they did for a while. They had a big tub of water, and then they had a thing, and then it was... Oh, will it float? I thought they were saying, here we go. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, okay. Will it float? All right. <clears throat> All right, clip 21 is for Sarah, and then we'll have our last score break. You can eat my dog, you can eat my truck, but you eat my flag and you're out of luck. She's a waving proud around the world from Dallas to Fort Worth. Let me say it again. Don't mess with Earth! Don't mess with Earth! 
That one's catchy. I like that. I have no mm-hmm. idea what it's from, though. Futurama? Ding, 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 ding. Correct. Oh. Oh Way to guess God. with context clues. Good job. <laughs> uh, Cut off the part where at the end of it, the guy yells, kill Zoidberg. <laughs> so yeah. All <laughs> Zoidberg. Okay, let's get our right. scores. Spirit creature. Uh, Dory has two. Dave has five. And I have six. <laughs> Done. Oh, boy. All right. You guys each have one left. Dave, clip 22 is for you. We know a pirate who plunders for fun. Serving a liquid colored like rum. Slashes the boredom, skews the humdrum. Bring the kids to fun beers. I'm gonna stab a smile on your face. Sink my book in your tender place. Feel it your butthole. Where's Grace? Look out! Here comes fun beer! Uh, all right. Well, nobody else would get that except me. So this uh, <laughs> this game is obviously rigged. That is the Frisky Dingo spinoff, The Extricles. Wow. So I think Sarah watched that. Ding, ding. You're correct. I did, but I still wouldn't have gotten it. I would have guessed Samurai Jack. You mean there's a rapier ape? <laughs> okay. Clip 23 is for Dory. That's okay. I'm gonna rock your body anyway. I'm gonna rock your body till Canada Day. Everybody come and play. Throw every last care away. Let's go to the never actually heard that before let's go to the mall today the mall rats tv show there was such a, a mall rats tv was show there? such no. a good guess yes. oh my god how i met your mother yeah uh i was going for context clues you know yeah no that's good okay <laughs> sarah it. here's your final clip we're currently tied Rick. yes homicide arson What just one of the many shitty songs that will still get stuck in your head from Adam Grossworth. This one's for you. Cop Rock. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> well <laughs> done. Oh. Uh, all right. Let's get your scores. Uh, we finished with Dory at two, Dave at six, and I am victorious with seven, ironically, for a musical game time. Sarah! Sarah. You want to hear the tiebreaker just for funsies? Yes. It ain't easy being white. It ain't easy. Arrested Development. You're brown. Correct. Whoever said Arrested Development. To be bright. I got children all over town. Oh, my God. Good job, Dave. Thank you. What was it? I'm sorry. Arrested Development. Thank you. (laughs) That was an excellent game, Tara. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Good job, Sarah. Well, guys, that is it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We traveled to the stars to probe Howard's end before going around the dial with stops at New Girl, Billions, Paterno, and Killing Eve. Dory made the unsuccessful pitch, unfortunately, for Big Little Lies once bitten for the canon. We crowned winners and losers of the week, and Sarah was the winner of this week's game time. Remember, we're listening. Ah. I am David T. Cole, and on behalf of Tara Ariana, 
She's a fake bitch. Sarah D. Bunting. Do not use the downstairs bathroom, honey. Jesus. <laughs> and Tori Shapir. You have to be a big girl. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time right here on Extra Hot Great. Let me tell you, the thing's impossible and must be stopped. Yes, yes it is impossible. Yes, it will be stopped, and I shall stop it. <laughs> this has been a production of the previously.tv podcast network.